Our opinions aren't too tough, rough, or gruff. We are proof that you don't have to be an expert to have an opinion. So just... Shut up and sit down. This is Sports Stuff with Jim and Muff. This is Sports Stuff with Jim and Muff. Hello, Muff. How are you today, buddy? It's uh, it's a good day. U.S. Open Sunday, Father's Day. Yep. So much golf. So much loving of the fathers. Good stuff. <laughs> good stuff. Good, good stuff. stuff. So, uh, you we, I mean, you know, we're talking about the U.S. Open today. So, get excited, Jim, for some U.S. Open chat. I watched tons of golf on it, Muff. So I'm ready. I'm armed for golf. Armed for golf. That's, yes, that's good. That's good. Uh, also, building up the uh, the Bastilles for some upcoming guests. Yeah. Got yeah, some... buddy. We got uh, Scott doing the work as our social media. What's his title this week, Muff? Uh, he's he's like, uh, I don't know. Was it law school has like one, two, and three? Yeah. That's, we'll, we'll say he's an L3. All right. He's so almost there. Scott's doing some work. He uh, has Mr. Brody Arthur, a Indiana high school wrestling, I'm going to say guru right now. He is trying to make his way to the national tourney. If you follow us on social media, you can see we are helping him get the word out because he's trying to raise some funds to get to the national tournament. We're going to have him on in the coming weeks to tell his story and uh, try to help him get to national. So I'm looking forward to that. Also, we have Paul Henry, a hockey guru. We have a couple hockey gurus, but he also has some podcasts that we're going to help kind of promote him. He's going to promote us. We're going to share the love. Um, he's going to come on and talk about the Stanley Cup finals. Is that is it the finals, the championship? What are you, what are you saying, hockey muff? It's the finals. It's the finals. Okay. <clears throat> so he's going to come on and talk about that as we inch to a champion there in the NHL. So we got... Oh inch huh? is that how this goes it seems, seems like it lasts forever man going on for too long for too long it's the summer i don't want to talk about hockey yeah. summer's not necessarily or yeah summer's not necessarily a hockey season no in anyone's mind so, um, but we got two big guests coming i'm excited yeah uh speaking of big things cristiano ronaldo reaches 300 million instagram followers jim yeah he's uh he's a big deal and it's soccer there we talked about soccer scott yeah, there it is, Portugal. Um, at this point, I mean, do we just start posting pictures of him and hashtagging Cristiano Ronaldo? Like, it might, it might get I, us some love, even if he's not in the picture. See what yeah. happens. Not sure. that people are going to come to us for soccer talk, but you know, maybe. Who knows? Maybe. Speaking of social media, yeah, I found this out today, and I think it's pretty freaking interesting. Mm-hmm. Alvin Kamara, did I say that right, Muff? Yeah, Alvin Kamara. Uh, of the Saints, the NFL team, has joined NASCAR and has an official position in NASCAR. Like, mm-hmm. the organization has yeah. an office and a badge. He is the first ever growth and engagement advisor. Essentially, he tells his story and engages with people on social media for NASCAR. And the is reason... It, is he a NASCAR ahead. fan? Thank you. So, that was a great lead-in, Muff. <laughs> he was not the biggest NASCAR fan. He had gone to a couple races. He interacted with a Xfinity series driver, which is the, the lower league, um, and sponsored a car. 
started getting into it um, by going to Daytona. And the reason why he started gaining more interest is they got rid of the Confederate flag. He mm-hmm. saw Pitbull in it. He saw Michael Jordan in it and went, hey, this isn't for necessarily the stereotypical what I think the NASCAR fan should be. I'm going to take interest in it. He even was quoted as saying, like, when I saw cars going left, I just flipped the channel. And once hey, right, thank I, right. Thank you, Alvin, because I still feel that way. Right. <laughs> so once he started getting involved in it and saw that the sport, you know, were was open to people in general, he kind of started buying in and wants to promote the sport for NASCAR hmm. and reach out to different people. So he is now has a full position inside of NASCAR. So I hmm. thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, NASCAR still missed out. They didn't get Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, <laughs> well played. Yeah. Uh, the Nets are eliminated from the NBA playoffs, and we're going to talk about all the drama that comes yeah, with that. Yeah, it's messy. In, in this week's The Point Is segment. Um, Muffneck, The Magnificent Returns. Get pumped. Super excited. Uh, we're not going to talk about it, but Olympic qualifying is going on for the for the games. Uh, did you know, Jim, that a, a man just broke a... 30-year-old world record in the shot put over the weekend in the U.S. qualifying. I did, and I watched him do it. Man, it's outrageous. Ryan Krauser. Did you see him? Yeah, I saw it. That's a big boy. He's As soon as he threw it, he let out like this, I, this yell that pierced five miles away. And oh, yeah. Who knows what it did. Uh, but beasted it 23.37 meters because that's Almost we, out of the ring. Yeah, it was just like a couple feet from yeah hitting and rolling in places where they can't measure appropriately it was fantastic yeah sons and four guy god love him i i see i I, we'll get into this i feel like that's that's a inconsistent take from you okay sons and four guy yeah we did a poll sons and four guy versus suplex and parking lot guy And the Sons and Four guy won 57% versus the Suplex guy, 43%. Right. We'll get into it right this second. I picked the Sons and Four guy Mm -hmm. simply because of the dedication and the fact he was the underdog on a two-in-one fight. The guys coming after him, the Nugget fan that came after him, was coming for that cheap shot. He took the blow held his own, held the guy's head down. It was shit-talking the other guy while throwing uppercuts. It was it was a great move. He he stood strong in the pocket. He stood strong in the pocket. All right. But people running onto the court still bad. We can't have that. He wasn't interfering with the game. He was holding his business in the stands. That's where business okay. is supposed to be dealt with. Uh, Ron Artest tried to deal with it up there. That's all I'm saying. Uh, that's that's a mix of the worlds. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, if anybody has any other thoughts on last week's hashtag, what, Jim? Sticky balls. Segment that we had with baseball guru Hugh. Keep letting us know because this is not going away, folks. No, no. So follow up from last week's uh, episode. Apparently, this reporting or asking the ump to check the other team has been a no-no it's been a gentleman's agreement hey you don't do it we won't do it and everybody can throw their sticky balls and nobody will get checked well apparently starting monday which if you're hearing this now was yesterday um there's three teams that are going to do it and they've told their players don't be throwing those sticky balls because we're going to check the other team and i don't want to be checked for sticky balls so 
the gentleman's agreement's gone, baby. Sticky Balls is going to be police now. It's going to be a thing. And uh, we had Tyler Glass now come out this past week. If you didn't catch the midweek moment with Muff, uh, Tyler Glass now comes out and pretty much says, I got hurt because I could not use the Sticky Balls. <laughs> yeah, Muff, I loved your midweek moment. Um, what a what a rube. Like, what is he thinking? <laughs> Come on. Uh, this is this is going to be a thing. It's going to be a oh. thing for, for a little bit longer. All summer. Hashtag sticky balls. Oh, all during the summer months. Um, Father's Day is upon us. Yep. Well, happy, ha- it happy, was upon us. Yeah, it was upon us. Happy Father's Day, Jim. Thank you, buddy. Thank you. I have no children, so. <laughs> well, in your profession, you've had tons of children. That's fair. That's fair. So I look, no. I look out for a lot of kids. <laughs> But we did ask today, well, you know, two days ago, if you're listening, um, what your favorite sports memory was. Muff, what was your favorite sports memory with your father? Oh, my favorite sports memories with my dad are honestly, uh, at this point, just because the other things are long enough ago that they don't stick with me, is uh, just being out on the golf course, something we did today. Went out and got around in. So just being able to continue to do that's it's pretty cool. Obviously, I enjoy golf, so it's another another way to spend time. My uh, my favorite sports moment, my dad was not um, the hands-on sports dad that you would see, you know, would get you ramped up, always trying to get you involved in sports. My dad was kind of the opposite, hands-off, you do you. Uh, he was in the stands, you know what I mean? But he wasn't the overhyped-up dad. Um, my senior year, I was in districts? No, regionals, something like that. Sectionals is what they called it, of of wrestling. And I was wrestling a kid who had beaten me all year. It was just a pain in my, he was my nemesis, my nemesis, if you will. And I had finally got his number, if you will. And I had taken him down and I was giving back points. And I happened to look up at my dad who was emotional that I had finally conquered this, this Mm -hmm. hill. And to see him like have that visual response to me pinning a kid was exciting and that's one of my favorite sports memories of my father so um if you have a sports memory hit us up in the dms we'll say it in the next episode always nice to hear that kind of stuff um rachel scott's wife i did see yours in the uh in the comments i'm not going to share it you savage but we do respond and i promised a shout out so rachel shout out for your uh your sharing in our dms yeah nate Nate too Nate what did t- Nate say? I didn't see it. Nate Nate talked about how I believe it was his dad and another coach got kicked out of a game, a Is baseball right? game at the same time, and somebody else had to come in and and coach the team for the That's remainder awesome. of the game. So Nate's fond memory is people getting kicked out of baseball games. Hashtag sticky balls. Hashtag sticky balls. Oh, that's it. No special guest this week, everyone. Just uh, ripping it, doing our thing. So strap in get ready get excited get pumped and here we go and now it's time for the fast five fast five fast five let's go muff number one topic buddy hey 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 i would like to point out to the world that we kept this fast last week and the goal is to continue to do so let's go let's go this league nba so the west L.A. wins their series 4-2 against the Wait, Jazz. Who won? The L.A. Clippers. There we go. 
Okay. So Winner series. Get, not to get confused with correct a team that's not good. Correct. The, they beat the Jazz 4-2 in their series. The Suns win theirs 4-0 against Denver. The Clippers Suns in the, four. Hashtag Suns in four. The Clippers played their played the Suns today, uh, Sunday, this afternoon with Kawhi out. CP was out due to COVID. CP three. Yeah. Huh. Uh, but it didn't matter because the Suns win 120 to 114 in game one of the series. Also, the Suns and Four fan may have been in attendance because oh, Dev- oh, oh no, he was there. Was he? I didn't know. Oh yeah, there was videos. People like dapping him up and so he's showed, a celebrity showed, now. Showed him the love. Yeah. Oh yeah, he's there. Devin Booker invited him, so that's cool. Uh, Muff, real quick on the LA Clippers. Yeah. What are your thoughts on Ty Lue? Because he brought Cleveland from, you know, non-existence. And now he brings, you know, the Clippers from non-existence. What do you think? Uh, like I say, from non-existence, they've got the players. They're building the players. They're putting the team out there. But the and common he, thread. I agree that he is showing himself to be a perennially successful coach, especially with big time players in big time games. Okay. So who do we have in this series, Muff? You have Give me the clips. Yeah, me too. Me too. I like the Suns, but I I'm going for LA. Okay. So in the East, the Sixers versus the Hawks in game seven is playing as we are recording. Yep, yep, yep. Philly trying to right the ship after blowing a 21-point lead in Game 6. Part of Game 6, Joel Embiid was fined 35 k for escalating a scuffle. Those are the words of ESPN. uh, Between himself and Hawks' Josh Collins in Game 6. Reserve center Bruno Fernando. I feel like it should be Fernando, but Fernando. Won't be playing tonight for the Hawks as he was suspended for the fight. Did you see the fight, Muff? Yeah, we call them fights. They're whatever. They're kerfuffles that happen on the qu- basketballs. I'm going with kerfuffles. That's what happens and on the basketball also, court. Mm-hmm. Out of out of the East, and we're going to get into it later in, in another segment. Uh, the Bucks beat the Nets in Game Seven. Um, some highlights out of this: PJ Tucker and Katie's mom were chirping at each other. Yeah, PJ's been chirping at Katie all series, and it's been but play- not his mom. It's been playful. And I feel like this is just feeding it. It was that. playful. They, they yeah. were playing too, but still, yeah. like, come on. And then Hobble James Harden was playing. Oh, and Kyrie like... was out. Yeah. And KD at the line, stepping on that line. I could have had a three pointer to win it. Could have uh, had a three pointer to win yeah. it. Yeah. So we'll talk about that in a little bit. And lastly, for this league, Lakers fire their head trainer. Apparently that's news. Apparently, you know, they weren't happy with the recovery of their players. Oh, so LeBron's got another scapegoat, not just the NBA in the season. Thank you. It's got to be the head trainer as well. Thank you. It can't just be, you. you know, that everyone's having problems. It's the head trainer's fault. And other news, the nurse from the Looney Tunes will be the new head trainer for the Lakers. <laughs> Who is, what's, What's her name? I think it was like the granny looking. I think it's yeah, I think it's the granny one. Yeah. I agree. All right. Up next on this week's Fast Five, Fast Five, Fast Five. Bram, WNBA. NBA. Man, there you are. Uh, they're becoming a hot topic, Muff. Their all-star game is interesting. 
we'll start there. It's more interesting. I'm not going to go as far as to say this is going to make me watch it. Just being honest. Oh, I just, just being honest with I'll people. Watch it. You can watch it. I'm just saying I'm, I'm not going it. to. What else are we going to watch in, on July 14th at Mandalay Bay Resort and Casino in Las Vegas? I, I don't know. Not that. <laughs> Sorry, I was just not going to watch it. So it's on ESPN <laughs> at 7 p.m. Yeah. So the primetime spot on ESPN. Yeah. And the format is it'll be Team USA versus Team WNBA. Right. Team USA will be the players uh, that got selected to go represent the U.S. in the Olympics in Tokyo. Right, right. And then Team M- WNBA is the players that didn't get selected and will be first voted upon by the fans, players, and media. Top 36 vote getters who are not already on the team. You can go to WNBA.com slash vote to get those. <laughs> go ahead, Muff. What are you laughing about? I, just... Let's see. I, this is why I'm out right here. There's too many details. I just want to know. Yeah, I agree. I agree. This this is why I'm out. Like, I get that they're trying to fix up their format. That's great. Just call it the U.S. versus the world. Let's just call it that and get it that, over with. Right. Just, I don't need the details. Anyway, fans get to vote for everybody else to play Team USA. Get out and I vote. I think it's interesting. Go out and vote. I think it's a cool thing, and I'm, I'm going to watch. I think mm-hmm. it's going to be a worthwhile basketball game. Um. Voting ends June twenty seventh. Go vote. It's a good deal. I think if I think they had some, if they had sponsorship backing some of this, like big name sponsors, it'd be a bigger deal. No word yet if there's gonna be a three point contest or any of the other any of that. But yeah. I think it's cool. Other WNBA news, and this and is where it's it hot. This is where I'm more excited to listen. Okay, I'm back in the game, people. Phoenix Mercury's Skylar Diggins. Uh-huh. Uh, was talking trash to New York Liberty's Jasmine Jones on Twitter. Yep. So apparently, and Muff, did you catch any of this? Because you might need to help me walk through this Twitter beef. I'm not the I, best at this one. It's It was a tale in like 10 parts. So just start running through it. There was some discussion about how one play was highlighted more than another play in a game. Yeah. And so here's then the deal. somebody got, got, got somebody got upset and blah blah. So blah. Skylar Diggins puts a nasty move on the Liberty player. Yep. Um, Bleacher posted the highlight on Twitter. Jasmine Jones for the Liberty, uh, who happened they they won that night. All right. Jasmine Jones says, "Yeah, but you caught the L, hyping up the wrong stuff. How about you hype up my girl?" Blah blah blah. Right. Uh so then Diggins hits back with girl shut TF up. Literally TF. Oh um, yeah, they, they they don't put the real words in there. They can't post a highlight. Complain to your organization first. Why they why they only hype one person. Now that one person Diggins is referring to is Sabrina Inescu. I had it. Inescu the number one overall pick for the Liberty in 2020. Okay. Yep. Then a bunch of people started clapping back, including the Liberty. And that's where it got fuzzy for me. So essentially it starts this whole war. From there, it just devolved into blah, blah, blah. You, your organization isn't highlighting the right people. Don't come at me for this. Your girl got her, her ankles broke, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Let's, Let's take to Twitter and tell people to STF you and yeah, 
Get, I'm down. I'm here for it. Uh, I'm, I'm all, I'm all about, needs. Yeah, they need a player impact program like the PGA Tour. Yeah, I agree. More of this, please. More of this. And lastly, in the WNBA, Sue Bird, which is basically she carries the WNBA on her back, moves up to second place in the WNBA's all-time three-point list with 907. So, well Sue done, Bird Sue. Doing Sue Bird things. Well done, Sue. Up next in this week's Fast Five, Fast Five, Fast Five, Bram. the fight game. Yeah. So I want the record to show that I put this in there. Okay. Because a... because you've been trying to get people to get into this all week on social media. Yes. All week. And yes. not many people have bit. There have been a couple people. Yes. Okay. It's, it's a thing. Logan Paul. Right. One of the Paul brothers. Don't know which one. I've, I still don't. Which one says says he's open to boxing Mike Tyson. Mm -hmm. Okay. He gets on a podcast. Maybe he has his own podcast. I don't know. And he says, yeah, they're YouTubers. It says his lawyer tells him he can't fight Tyson because Tyson will rip his head off. Heed your freaking legal advice, Logan. Anyway, Paul says to him, (laughs) Paul says to him, you can't tell me I can't beat him. He's, he's old, old, he's old, old. Old, old. This is for real, real. He's old, old. For real, real. He's old, old. Let me tell you, Muff. Yeah. Right now, mm-hmm. on this day, the 20th of June, I will spend physical dollars on that fight. If it happens. If it happens. Now, who are you going to bet on? Mike Tyson. Ah, uh, see, I'll go the opposite way on you. I'm gonna go with the Paul brother. Nope. Jim. Nope. He's not nope. gonna get he's not gonna get in the ring unless he's got these whack ass rules like they had in some of the other fights. It's gonna care. be it's gonna be to his advantage to get in the ring. And I mean, listen, Mike Tyson's great. Mike Tyson man, doesn't follow rules, Muff. The man's old, old, and he's gonna he's gonna burn out after like two or three rounds. Mike Tyson doesn't follow rules. It's a young man's game, Jim. That's all I'm saying. I don't care. Mike Tyson's insane. That's and that's why he's gonna lose. <laughs> it's gonna be these crazy rules that he's gonna lose because he's not. I say follow. kills him in one. <laughs> kills him in one. We don't like grabbing con- a steel chair. We don't. We don't condone violence on this show. Uh, Jim is a little little in his feelings today. I don't no, know. I'm telling the truth. If anybody disagrees, you with said me. he's gonna get a steel chair and kill him. <laughs> yes, yes. Mike Tyson was just on AEW, right? And people were legitimately worried that, like, he didn't think that was fake for a second. Like, they were worried. You got to, Mike Tyson's a screw loose, buddy. I, I agree. That's why Jake Logan Paul with the Paul brother wins, whichever one that it is. Uh, no. Yeah. Talk about the, some, yeah. Let's talk about some real fighting, some things that actually. Okay. Sense. So I'm going to highlight this because this is truly my guy, one of the, one of an Ohio boy. And number one, like, Matt Brown is. A champion for the old guys. You want you want to beat on Mike Tyson and say old old. Matt Brown knocks out Diego Lama at UFC on ESPN twenty five. What a silly way to name your fights. Anyway, in the second round, well, it's like UFC five hundred at this point. They got to start. Yeah, but that's somewhere. fine. Like, but on ESPN twenty five, right. like let's name start, it something else. Start back at one in ESPN. Do okay. Do. But anyway, Matt Brown knocks him out in the second round and says. How's that for 40, bitch? Matt Brown is my guy. He face plants him, just hits him right in the face, drops him right on the, right on the ground, face first. 
Love it. Look up the highlights. I'm going to put it on the Twitter page. Hit us up. Beautiful. And that's the fight game. And next on this week's Fast Five, Fast Five, Fast Five, and the thing that may not be fast, TBD, the U.S. Open. Muff, I watched so much golf. My kids were like, Dad, do we have to watch any more golf? I I think I watched it every day. Mm -hmm. Tell us the good stuff, and then I'll ask my questions. Okay. So first off, Zadie needs to be paying attention, your daughter, because she needs to learn how to golf to get a scholarship. I agree. Again, this this year's U.S. Open was played at the Torrey Pine South Course in San Diego. Uh, they had a fog delay on Thursday morning because of this. Uh, you got to remember, Jim, this is really close to uh, Top Gun. So that's exciting, right? Does that not make you more excited that it was right near there? Yeah, I mean... They they did they did they did some specials on uh, with some pilots and stuff like that. It was pretty cool. Uh, you also saw a lot of people paragliding in the background. Yeah, of shots. we'll get to that. We'll get yeah. to that. Um, John Ron, John Rom is your winner, posting a sixty-seven four under in the final round to get to six under minus six for the tournament, besting the field in Luis Tazen, who had a case of the lefts off the last two tees to take himself out of contention for the win, or else we may have had a playoff. Ron becomes the first Spaniard to win the U.S. Open and avenges his COVID loss at the Memorial just a couple weeks ago. So John Rom wins the U.S. Open and beats COVID, Jim. There's your storyline. Okay. I agree with that. I'm glad he won. If you listen to last week's episode, I picked that. He was my guy. But I don't think that's the storyline. But we're going to say that for right now. That is the feel-good takeaway. It's a story. That's that's it. That was one of the. I think it was the lowest, lowest round, fourth round for U.S. Open winner, and the only U.S. Open winner to birdie the last two holes to win the event. There was so much more to this, Muff. There's always more to golf, Jim. You just don't watch it. Like okay, let's start with. Okay, I'm gonna work backwards. This this, this is this is Jim's thoughts throughout the week, people. Just so you know, every like every other day he'd text me, be like, "What about this?" And I'd be like, "We'll talk about it later." Let's start with the whole reason I watched, and it was for Brooks and the big guy. Right. They didn't want to play, or somebody didn't want to play, paired together. They they were not paired together for the first two days, no. And I was looking for the drama, who's chasing who, throughout the whole event. That's the whole reason I watched. Right. Then Bryson jumps in during one of Brooks' interviews and, like, makes a little ass of himself. He's he, he's being Bryson. I mean, that's just okay. him. Is what it so, is. To me, there's the storyline, right? Which was cool. That was okay? such a such a small piece of this weekend, right? But that's the thing I'm watching, right? Right. And so, for the most part, the big guy seems to be on the golf course, getting the better of Brooks. Bryson is totally leading most of the way. Brooks leading Brooks. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Then They're, there was they play the golf course, but yes, I get it. I see right. where you're getting. Yeah, I, I'm the novice watching, Muff. I know, I know. Okay, but they're neither one's in the running. Okay, but yes, up until Sunday, like neither one of them's leading. Correct. Well, Bryson okay. Bryson was on Sunday for a short period of time. I'm talking about not today. I'm talking about the first three days. Okay. Okay. It's the old guy. What was his name? Henley or Bland? Bland. Okay. The the 49-year-old Englishman. And he looks like he's going to be an unbeatable force. 
And Henley, he's young. He looks like, well, he could catch Bland, and that's how it's going to be. Like, the novice guy who's never watched that much golf in his life is going, well, this thing's pretty much over, right? Like, they've got this figured out. I'm just going to watch my sidebar storyline and see how this ends up. That's exactly what I was thinking. I turn it on today. I'm like, and I'm working backwards here, Muff. Mm -hmm. What the hell happened? All the leaders, everything that was on the first three days is gone. It all fell to shit. Explain that to me. Explain golf, because that's what happens in golf, Jim. You you have to put together four good rounds to win a tournament. And if you have one bad round or one bad nine, like Bryson did today, where he fell off the planet on his last nine. That um, bland guy. Also fell off the planet on up five strokes Saturday. On the field, and he just disappears. He was not up five strokes on the field. Yes, he was. He was he was down. I'm sorry. Let's figure out how to word this in muff terms. He was negative five. He was five under. Yeah, five under. And everybody else was chasing him. Right. They were only like one or two strokes back, though. It's not like he was six strokes ahead of him. I think the closest person was, besides him and Henley, was negative three. They were three under. Yeah, they were two away. That's that's not in. Where was he? Where did he go after that? Where was he today? Where did he finish? Oh, Bland totally fell off. He was like plus four or five. How does that happen? It, you got to put together four good rounds. That's, that's insane. You don't. That's that's what it takes. It's the grind. Golf. Golf is a grind, Jim. It's but not, I mean, the media, the announcers, ESPN—they were all like, "Well, this guy is a journeyman. He'll. This could be his time. Is this his time? Like, there's a story. Crazy. To there's me. a story they tried to sell you, but crazy. Okay. Sunday at the U.S. Open, not for the faint of heart. The rough is rough. The, pit, the greens are fast, and they have crazy pin placements. So let me ask you about that. Yeah. We'll move on from this everybody falling to shit thing. What changes on Sunday, course-wise and pin placement-wise? Why is Sunday, from a course perspective, why is that such a big deal? They changed up a couple tees, which is not any huge deal in the end. A couple tee placements. I mean, they change the tees every day. They change the pins every day. Uh, typically on Sunday, in any, in any tournament, typically you see more tougher pin placements, tucked pins that are tucked behind bunkers, tucked far left, far right. They're usually the more difficult pin placements overall. Uh, doesn't mean there aren't some easy ones, but that's what makes Sunday Sunday, and that's what separates the men from the rest of the field. Do they water the greens and the, do they water the course as much as we go? Uh, it's really just depends on what's going on. I mean, I looked, the course was drying out a little bit. Right. That's what I was going to say. They, they probably put some water down just to keep it down. But um, that's, that's part of the U S open too, is they want everything running fast. Um, the greens, the fairways just burn out really it's from traffic um, and maybe a little less water than usual, but that's, they prime the course for that weekend. <clears throat> it's a public course. Story Pines is a public course. Um, and I think they stopped allowing people two weeks ago to play. So they get it to where they want it. They've been working at that for months, by the way, to get it to where they want it. And then they just beat the brakes off of it this week and they let it recover for a week. And then they have people out there playing normal. So that's, that's what you do to a golf course to make it tough. So then let's talk about for a second. Hole 11 seemed okay. to be crushing guys. 
on Sunday. Sunday was a tough day for uh, every the, day. The every day seemed like whole eleven. It was whether it was the greens that were messing people up. The green was messing people up on eleven, or they would go way left or way right. It seemed like they had to have some kind of weird strategy on eleven. It wasn't really. It's just a long par three that it's got bunkers on both sides, um, and the green itself slips a lot from from back to front so it slips down from back to front a lot and there's a couple spots for pins that make it tough so uh, on sunday it was back right which was tucked behind a bunker and you saw um bryson and louis both go way right past the bunker on the right and give themselves a short-sided chip which is never a good recipe for uh trying to get a par on that hole and then phil even i think it was either yesterday the day before struggled on 11 which was crazy to me, like, but he recovered nicely. It was like some magical. That's Phil. I just said he could make it drop from a blimp the yeah. way he hit the ball. That's how Phil plays. He's not absolutely a magician around the greens. All right, so I need some logistic conversation for a second about okay. basically golf. Okay? Let's keep let's keep this fast. Yeah, the ball. Yeah. Can I make the ball look any way I want it to look? Can I make the ball look? Like, can any... I play with a black ball, a pink ball, or is there rules on the ball? you have to play with a certain type of ball, but people play colored balls, different, okay. different colors of balls. Tight pants. Is it restricting? Can I, can I come out there and play like with loose pants? Is tight pants a requirement? All right. Loyal listeners. Muff's a busy man. So uh, you can, you have to wear pants. It's, that's the, can I come out in sweatpants Muff? I don't think sweatpants make the cut. Okay. You have to have some type of khaki-ish pant. All right. Muff, last last question. Jim talked about tight pants and was like, oh, what is this? And I was like, Jim, it's like a fashion thing. And he's like, isn't that restrictive? And I'm like, yeah. I mean. How am I going to hit a ball in tight pants? These guys, I mean, they, they look tight on them, but they probably also have like 29-inch waists. They're not like big dudes. All right. For the most part. My last logistical question, then I'll let you go with the sand in the eye thing. Um ball gets stuck in the tree it's my mm-hmm. fault it cost me a stroke because i obviously put the ball in the tree how often does the ball get put in a tree not not often mackenzie hughes got hosed on that one a little bit and that kind of put his round in the in the crapper after that so he was still sort of in contention and then that just totally screwed him up but it was right. just it was so nuts because it came down like through the tree hit the cart path bounced back up into the tree and was just what perched. a shitty day what a so what a bad way. I'd, I'd be pissed if that yeah, happened to me. Too. Go ahead. Golf course. Um, something of interest. I thought Jim was going to bring this up, but he didn't. Uh, Victor Hovland had to withdraw due to an eye issue after getting sand stuck in his eye during a warm-up. No, man, went, I saw that sand. That's not his fault. Yeah, he wouldn't play. He tried to play. I think he got about nine in and then made like a triple on 10 and was like, this isn't working, guys. I got to go. That sand is like fine sand. That was crazy. And lastly for golf. We had a man come out on the course and then had to get tackled <laughs> for hitting after hitting a few shots on, I forget what hole it was like 13 or 14, 13, somewhere in that range. 13. Yeah. Um, so with, with the big guy golfing, yeah. <laughs> this guy comes out there with a club, drops the ball, hits he, like he, two he or three two, shots. Yeah. He had a couple, couple balls. Then gets, ta- he tries to run away, then gets tackled. And the announcer's like, this man is now face down. And wait, wait, wait. This man is now face down on the ground and he's not resisting. I was like, 
That's the best way to call out a rest in golf ever. <laughs> they even said that. The guys in the booth were like, that was your best call all week. Right. <laughs> it was like they, they were like, getting into it. you didn't see the video. If you want to, you can check, get to Barstool Sports. You can actually see the video of this happening. Oh, crazy uh, people. It's pretty, pretty funny. And this gym was not the first time somebody was arrested on a golf course at a professional Jeez event this out. past week. Uh, everyone, do yourself a favor. Uh, you go to the four play pod last week from Barstool Sports. You actually have an interview with uh, the guy who was the victim in this. Uh, happened on the Corn Ferry Tour, which is, you know, right below the PGA Tour. Um, last week, Luke Smith, a, at this point, I think a former collegiate player at the University of Tennessee at Martin, got into a scuffle with uh, professional Austin Daly over pretty much. Austin Daly and his caddy were having a conversation saying, hey, you guys want to help us look for tee shots from our group that may not have be in the best spot? Like, it's part of, like, the gentleman's agreement that if somebody can't find their ball because they went right or left, that you do your best to help them when you can. Um, and just being more helpful around the greens, the flag stick, putting the flag stick back in, blah, blah, blah. Apparently, they took offense to this and said, it's not our, our job to look for your balls if you can't hit them straight. Um, and then from the, the account that I've heard, apparently Luke sucker punched Austin, put him on the ground and made him say uncle before he let him up. Golf, baby, golf. <laughs> and then he was arrested and not listed on the UT Martin uh, collegiate golf page anymore. See you later. Hashtag yikes. And last on this week's Fast Five, Fast Five, Fast Five, except for the US Open talk. Bram. College Post football. football. <clears throat> Hit us with that Jimmy Kimmel stuff because you found that. And <laughs> Jimmy Kimmel is going to have a bowl named after him this year. It's the Jimmy Kimmel Bowl, Jim. Yay! At least that one will get oh, some hype. Oh, oh, oh! So we can't we can't be excited for this bowl because that it, one will get the most hype. It, it doesn't fit into your narrative. That one will get some hype. That'd be the only one. Maybe we're going to get other other guys. Maybe like I don't know. What's what's his Conan? Conan, yeah, Conan. We need a Conan bowl. There we go. Or all the referees dress up with Conan hair. Well, Jimmy gets a bowl. Good. Now some real news. A group of commissioners, including the SEC, the ACC, and the Pac-12 commissioners, are ur- are urging uh, other commissioners to consider a new and minimalistic approach to the regulations concerning name, image, and likeness. Um, they sent a letter... As you know, all college officials do. They send letters. The Division One Council meets Tuesday and Wednesday this week. Uh, now, Mark Emmert, that guy, urged them to take action before the end of the month, according to a memo obtained by the Associated Press. Emmert said that if the council does not choose the right path, he's prepared to take executive action. I didn't know this man had the ability to take executive action, Muff, but he's going to make sure that all college athletes have some, some, ability to perform or to profit from their name, image, and likeness this summer. He's going to take his executive action. I'll summarize this for you, folks. Everyone knows this is a screw-up, and they have no plans to fix the screw-up because the states have gone rogue because they left it in the state's hands, and now they're asking the leagues and commissions to turn a blind eye to most things. And that's the news from that. Who's turning a blind eye to what? They're basically saying, hey, guys, let's ease up. Because in this article that I read, they're mm-hmm. saying, look, if we crack down in Ohio where things are tight, but we don't crack down in, I don't know, California, 
we're opening the conference or the NCAA to lawsuits because state laws are different. So let's ease up and take a, what's the word they used? Mentalist approach so that we don't open ourselves up to lawsuits because we've screwed the pooch. Is this the NCAA or is this the... That's both. That's commissioners and the commissioners. That's the NCAA and the commissioners of the conferences. All right. right. That's the Fast Five, Muff. That wraps up this week's Fast Five, Fast Five, Fast Five. All right, Muff. It's this new segment we're trying to work out that we haven't named yet. Yeah. We tried to name it the point, but sometimes we may not have a point. Sometimes this might just be a rant. So, argument. The argument, I like the argument. We'll go could, with that. Could be an could be an argument. I don't know. TBD. TBD might be the name of it. Yeah. If you, the loyal listener, has a name for this segment, please name it. But basically, we're going to go in on a topic. And today's topic: the Nets' loss and what it means for KD. KD. So muff. Not for Kyrie James. No, KD specifically okay. KD. We can get into it later about them if we tail end it that way. But today I want to know, what does it mean for KD? Mm -hmm. What do you think, Ma? Does does this damage his reputation? Does this take him out of the air of LeBron James? Okay, first, KD is currently in the same breath as LeBron James, but he's not all the way there just yet he's still got a few more years to prove his worth before he's in like the upper 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 echelon of like the a plus players he is an a plus player now he was a good player but you have to consistently do that over time um now to be wait a minute what do you mean consistently do what you have to consistently you have to consistently perform and compete for championships and win some championships you don't have to win four five six seven you have to win probably at least two or three and consistently compete at a high level. When he's healthy, he's in the playoffs. But just making the playoffs isn't that's we've we've debunked that for many years that you can't just be in the playoffs. That doesn't make you a great player. That he's makes you go to the finals. That's make you a good enough player. You have to consistently make it to the conference finals or to the NBA finals. Okay. All right. That's that's so right what, now I'll buy that. That's why he's not in. So he's not, it's not he's all the way there. Um, and Katie, unfortunately, had some situations around him that he cannot control. Injuries to key members of that team. Mm-hmm. Um, now, you've, I mean, just like any, if you're going to have one of these quote-unquote super teams and you're building around three-ish players, uh, if you lose one of those players and definitely if you lose two of those players, your team's not built to withstand that over time and to be able to compete at the highest of levels. Um, you, that's why you make a super team. So you have three of those players there for you every night. So if one falls falters, another can pick up the slack. Mm-hmm. Katie didn't have that. Katie was running by himself. Harden had a good game in that mix there, but Katie is, is one person and I, you know, you always have to have somebody. There's always going to be that the Robin to the Batman. That's all I'm saying. Um, I think it hurts him. I think that I don't. I don't think that he can. No, I, I he might play the next six years and win six championships. Mm-hmm. But I think this kind of puts some dirt on KD right now being talked about as a goat. 
or in the breath of LeBron. And, you know, wait, wait, LeBron, who had Kyrie with him when he won championships, young Kyrie, who was still, not looked still, at as still as had a star Kyrie. at that moment. Oh, but still played like a star. Correct. He was a big, big upgrade from like Matthew Delavadova, if we're going to be real. Honest. I agree. He's I agree. probably selling insurance back in Serbia somewhere. <laughs> I agree. But they are trying to say that he's as good as LeBron. And I just don't think that that's necessarily yeah, true. I think he is as good as LeBron is right now. Well, I disagree. And I also think that, like, I think this is also an argument for you don't need a super team. You don't, you just need to have two good players that can stay healthy and they don't have to be fantastic. Okay. That's my argument. Okay. Well, what, who are the teams you're looking at that fit that narrative this year? I'm not saying this year, but look at, yeah. look at Cleveland. They had LeBron and Kyrie, but Kyrie was not the Kyrie that we know today. He's not the same Kyrie. I mean, they still had a team there. It wasn't just LeBron carrying on his shoulders, just like it wasn't Michael Jordan carrying on his shoulders. There was a team full of people. You had J.R. Smith. You did have Della Vadova, who put in some key minutes. You had, uh, who's the big man? Kevin Love. Kevin Love. Elgauskas may have still been there at that point. Villanueva has played a oh, role. Are you going to say they were a super team, though? No, I'm not saying they're a super team, but they had good role players. It wasn't just LeBron. It's different than a super team, is my point. Okay. And I think that this may hurt the idea of a super team. I, it can't hurt the idea of a super team because the super team wasn't assembled to lose. The super team did not lose as a super team. All the hype and all the fuss and all of the rigmarole for the super team. And this is what you got. Injuries and a team out. I, I just don't think it hurts the narrative of the super team because the super team didn't lose the super team had injuries that forced them into a bad situation against a good team. It's a lot of money spent that if one of those wheels breaks, you're down the drain. That's the gamble you make with the super team every year. I don't know if I'm the owner, if I'm going to do that every year, it's a gamble. I don't know if I'm going to do that. That's just my, my, my one opinion. Now LeBron came out, made a big spiel. We're going to move on from this topic for a second. Made a big spiel about injuries and all of that. Does this strengthen his argument? Uh, these specific injuries do not strengthen his argument. Kyrie's injury was could have happened at any point. Um, I've I heard some people talking about that Kyrie's injury could happen on any given night because of just the way he plays, um, the way he pulls up on people, the way he goes up for jump shots. It's always a risk. Um, James Harden, I don't know. Maybe he should have played in the first couple weeks of the season instead of sitting out. Maybe that's Thank you. an Thank issue you. that not being discussed there. Um, I don't I don't know if this – the only information is going to strengthen LeBron's claim on injuries are the, statistics, are the statistics of the injuries that happened throughout the season, not just injuries to Kyrie, James Harden, Kawhi Leonard. Big name players, yes. You can say that, but – there's also a case to be made of let's think about what pop used to do to the much to the chagrin of the NBA and the TV networks of load management. Correct. Correct. Now there were some rules put in place this year that restricted some of that here and there, but 
um you know just just think about what pop used to do he said okay i'm gonna thumb my nose at you and this is what we're gonna do because this is what's best for the team i agree i think that if if anything it hurt ratings it hurt ratings the finals the clippers have to get in to save the ratings for the nba have to Suns and four guy might be able to turn the tables on that. You just think? saying. You think I, so? I mean, it'll be hilarious for them to highlight him in the stands in the finals if the Suns make it. That that would be there would be a viral moment. It's a one off, but it will definitely not hurt the situation. I don't. I don't want to watch the finals. I don't really care. Honestly, no. None of those teams are worth me watching. The Clippers is a good story. Because the LA's got a good market. But I don't really care now. You don't care about Kawhi Leonard, one of the best players in the league? Nope. You don't care about playoff P, Paul George? Nope. I don't hmm. care. There's no there's no in-depth storyline that that I buy into now. As a novice fan, I, I just okay. don't care. Right. Um, let me ask you another one. Yeah. You know, maybe that the, the play-in... The play took out Steph Curry and a super hot Warriors team that could have made a run. You've been on that. Do you think that playoff thing is what killed this? I don't think that hurt. That makes the first round even more exciting in my mind. A red hot Warriors team coming against a number one seed. Do you think they'd change it? Only if LeBron says they should. (laughs) Okay. So back to KD for a second. Did PJ Tucker show how to stop KD. Is this how you play KD moving forward? Beat him up. Yeah, you're not going to beat him, but beat him up. Okay. Is the way to go it. First off, I'm going to be real clear on this. PJ Tucker was not playing Pistons basketball, Jordan rules. No, I didn't say that. I, in the, fact, I avoided those. Beating him up is not what PJ Tucker was doing. PJ Tucker was playing hard-nosed, one-on-one defense and making KD work for every inch of space. He was suffocating him. He was as best he could. That's not beating him up. That's playing very good defense. There were some fouls there that were sketchy and buff. Hey, hard fouls happen in basketball. Even now, even in this age of basketball, hard fouls still do happen. Okay. But KD, they were able to do that because of the injuries to Kyrie and James Harden. They cannot... PJ Tucker cannot do that if the other two are on the court because all he's going to do is give up the ball and then he's going to have to sag off and help against Kyrie. Who's going to tear him up, run through the middle. Uh, He's going to slash through the defense or James Harden. Who's going to be able to step back, do what he's got to do and make threes. Nobody's going to help off of him. That is what makes what PJ Tucker did an opportunity is because of what happened to Kyrie and James Harden. So you don't think it's a viable option not if they're at full strength. No, he could do that. They could potentially take KD out the game, but Kyrie and James are just going to pick up the slack. Just like James did, uh, James Harden did in that one game. He scored like, what, 35 points in the game that they won. Um, so, I mean, that's that's what happens when you have your Robin or your Robins in this situation there. Um, okay. Michael Jordan didn't always put up 50. Got it. Because you had Scottie yeah, Pippen there to pick up the slot. You're doing a lot of comparison to Michael Jordan and KD tonight. I'm just, just throwing it out there. Getting dangerous with that. 
<laughs> hey, I'm just saying, can't do it all by yourself. It's not possible. So with all these injuries mm-hmm. and the talk of resting and so on and so forth, KD's going to the Olympics. Oh, so he's not worried about rest. Oh, Correct. hashtag what up, LeBron? Yeah, I threw that in there for you. Yeah, huh. but should he? I, I think who KD go to the Olympics? Should That's... he worry about rest? Should he go to the Olympics? What do you think? I don't think KD is a player that worries about rest much. I think he's conditioned well, and the game he plays typically does not put him in a situation to get beat up. It's not like he's an old school Shaq who's just getting hacked all the time and that running up and down the court can be laborious for somebody like a Shaq. Um, It's not like he's a Kyrie who's super fast twitch in what he does on the off card. It's not like he's a James Harden who, you know, has a lot of that as well. Um, KD is a special brand of basketball player that I'll be real honest. When he's coming out of Texas, I was one of the first people to say that, his body frame is not going to be able to stand up in the league. He's going to get beat up, and he has not had that happen to him throughout you his career. You kind of sound like a fanboy of KD. I'm a fan of good basketball players, and KD is a very, very special basketball player in his height, length, and ability to spread the floor in all ways. I'll be real honest. I don't think him or LeBron or uh, Kawhi or any of the big guys, any big-name guy should go to the Olympics. I said, call me on American, whatever. I just don't think it should happen. I think you just went through the bubble season. You went through this season. It's unfortunate, but yeah, sit the Olympics out, guys. It's time to get back to resting, come back full go next season, and give the fans what they want in the NBA. That's what I think. So, Muff, do you have anything else you want to talk about here as far as the Nets go? I don't know. Apparently, that I'm comparing them to the Bulls. You you come awful close, buddy. I am comparing them because that is a lot of the comparisons that I think could be made in the end. Um, as far as the KD, can he put the team on his back? He was in a situation where he had to. I'm just saying that Michael Jordan had Scotty sitting there all the time, and then also had like Steve Kerr. So who's who in the scenario, Buff? Who's who? KD's Michael. Right. We got that. Right. Who's Pippen? James Harden, most likely, as a viable second scoring. Kyrie's a point guard. He just happens to be a very good scoring point guard. Okay. I'd say Kyrie's, personality-wise, is a good Dennis Rodman. But totally different player, Jim. This is not personality-wise here. We're going by player. <laughs> but I'm going by personality. Okay. Well, hang out Dennis with Carmen Electra later. Would, Dennis would definitely pull up on some sage on some people. If, if he was, he thinks that's probably a great idea. Yeah, but I, I mean, yeah, but they're not going to pull Kyrie from Vegas in between. Yeah, probably not anymore. But... <laughs> that's James. That's James's role. Yeah. We all so know this. Jim. You might be right. We all know this. The first thing that came <laughs> out was how many uh, how many dancing clubs were there around the Brooklyn area when James went there. Just saying, right. that was that was a storyline. Well, I think we've covered it pretty well. Uh, 
Muff is a fanboy for Durant. And all of his burner accounts. You probably were part of it. You probably helped him with the burner accounts. Maybe I have a burner. You probably do. Um, if anybody has anything they'd like to add, please hit us up on the social media. At Sports Jim Muff, Instagram, Twitter. And uh, that's this segment. And we're going to try to uh, evolve it. So help us out, guys. Loyal listeners, I bring you Muffnack the Magnificent. Oh, here I am. <laughs> okay, Muffnack. Last week was a success, and the people want more. The people have questions, and they want your wise wisdom. We once again will examine the what-ifs of the universe. The almighty Magnificent One, tell your loyal listeners the outcome of what would have been if the past had played out differently. Put that Brunswick shine on your magic machine, and let's peer into the crystal ball once more. Are you ready? All right. What if Tim Duncan had pursued his interest in swimming? Most people don't know, but in high school, Duncan thrived in the 50, the 100, and the 400-meter freestyle and was making a serious bid in the 1992 Olympics. However, Hurricane Hugo destroyed the only Olympic-sized swimming pool in the Virginia Islands, and Duncan decided to focus on the hardwood. What would have happened, Muff? Knack. In the Virgin Islands. Got it. That's what I said, right? You said the Virginia Islands. Damn. Anyway, if this were to happen, as I peer into the magic ball with apparently the Brunswick shine, because that's the only shine I can have. Yeah. Um, if this were to have happened, we would have never heard of Tim Duncan and Greg Popovich as a team. We've never, we've Pop would have had two less NBA titles and may not have stuck around in San Antonio for as long as he had becoming a coach that bounces from franchise to franchise. Kawhi Leonard ooh, does not come up under Pop and ends up a journeyman pro as a defensive talent, which is how he came up in the league, never becomes a scorer, never goes to LA and never brings spoiler alert, an NBA title to the Clippers. Ooh, you went back and forward. That Ooh. was great, Muffnack. Thank you. You're welcome. The, the magic ball goes all directions. It's like the Wonkavator. It goes upways and sideways and downways and crossways and diagonalways. All right. All right, next up, Muffnack. Mm -hmm. What if Bo Jackson's hip had held out? Oh, Bo Jackson. <sighs> getting that freak injury against the Bungles, if I remember right. Well, Jim, as I peer into the ball, not a sticky ball, by the way, Bo knows sports and would have been the first Hall of Famer in both sports, baseball and football, rushing for over 8,000 yards in his NFL career with over 100 total touchdowns and hitting over 300 home runs in baseball, stealing over 200 bases and earning at least three gold gloves in center field all right that's all what right. would happen for Bo if he would not have had a freak injury on the football gridiron with Doritos okay next up Muffnack what if Gretzky hadn't gone to LA and stayed in Edmonton Whew. Gretzky staying in Canadian land with the Oilers if he does this, he gets at least, well, he gets one more Stanley Cup. Not at least, he gets one more and only one more. His stats don't take any major hits. 
he probably still ends up playing for another team to round out his career after Edmonton. And you know what? I'm going to say he still finishes out his career with the New York Rangers. Hmm. All right. Okay. Muffnack. Mm-hmm. For your friend Muff, Muffnack. <laughs> what if Tiger had stayed at zero car wrecks and his personal life had stayed on the perfect path? Oh, there's a lot of... <laughs> There's a lot of things to consider here. Uh, did Tiger not get into vehicles? Did he not go to late night breakfast spots? Um, there's a lot of things to consider here. If Tiger stays on, we'll call it the perfect path, even though there's still the potential that Tiger has injuries that derail his career because, you know, he was doing Navy SEAL training. Um, Tiger still gets, well, Tiger gets to 20 major championship wins besting jack nicholas is 18 and tiger also sets records for turning wins and earnings that will never be beaten by any pga tour member as long as golf is being played forever and ever amen like my friend randy travis says muffnack and randy are tight muffnack and randy are tight does he come to you and ask about the future? Uh, no, because Randy writes songs about the future, so we're on the same wavelength. Got we it. Like, we like both have our own crystal balls. <laughs> and we just like, we go to crystal ball conventions and have a good time. Got it. Got it. What if, Muffnack, <laughs> the NBA had adjusted this year's schedule like LeBron had wanted? <laughs> well, I feel like Muffnack's going to merge a lot with Muff's opinion in this case. There may be a lot of <laughs> divergence or virgins here. Stay on path, Muffneck. Uh, Muffneck, Muff it's tough. It's tough for Muffneck to do that one. Um, but if the NBA had adjusted this year like LeBron had wanted, uh, LeBron comes out after the season, takes full credit for the success that the season has because the Lakers still get bounced, to be honest, early in the playoffs. Um but you know, at least LeBron has that cherry on the cake of like, oh, I told him to do this and they did this. And oh, look, the playoffs are great, great and fantastic. Uh, LeBron does not change his number after the season is over because he's in the headlines for all the good things he was doing. Um, we, why is LeBron changing his number anyway to number six? He's chasing rings. Um, AD still gets hurt because that's what AD does. He gets hurt. Uh, Kawhi Kyrie and James Harden still get hurt because, well, Kyrie. Kawhi because he always plays hard that's just the way it's going to be Kyrie because again he always gets hurt and Harden who really cares he already took time off at the beginning of the season so this is just like extra vacation for him that's on James Harden um, but all still ends up the same because you know who wins the NBA finals Jim Jim the questioner the asker of questions yes the Clippers of LA you still think it would have happened that way the Clippers of LA. Huh. All right, Muffnag. Well, thank you for answering our questions tonight. Listeners, uh, this is Scott LaRock. You've heard from me before, the uh, the third wheel of the podcast, if you may, uh, the guru of talking shit, uh, bring you guests on a routine basis. Uh, it's been a while since I've had my segment of the GD Jets, so... It's Sunday night, it's Father's Day. I've had some time to reflect and the got 
damn Major League Baseball. Uh, the commissioners, you know, it's been an ongoing theme of picking and choosing when to enforce rules. Uh, you know, it's just there's a fine line of going through these things, but I swear in sports terms, baseball is fucking fumbling here. You know, uh, they obviously had the steroid crisis a few years back. Uh, swept that under the rug because ratings were high. People were watching the game. It was exciting. You know, more home runs. It's more fun for the fans. But then as soon as it was like over with, baseball just completely turned a blind eye to it, it seemed like. They went through all the proceedings and everything with uh, Bud Selig. But, you know, there was never really any admit to it. It's all these guys that played in that era and they have this stigma against them. And so they baseball blackballs them. Okay. Fair enough. It was against the rules, but everybody was doing it. And for a long time, they didn't really do anything of it. Uh, I'm outside. There's fucking sirens going out. Cool. Uh, but then you get to the Houston Astros. They cheated and they won a championship. Baseball knows it. They did an investigation. Uh, all the allegations were proven right. There's so much video evidence, circumstantial, whatever. What happens? Nothing. And then the Astros cry about it, of why everybody is upset with them, why are they getting treated different when they're on the road, because they're a bunch of fucking cheaters. Uh, you know, the four-year-old... Altuve at second base, you know, he didn't do shit last year because he couldn't hear a trash can anymore. There was nobody to bang it for him. Now you get to the spider tag situation, which we had you touch on it uh, last week, and you guys, you know, gave great explanation about it all. But now they want to start enforcing the rules again, and it's like pick and choose. So that just pisses me off when you pick and choose when to enforce certain rules. Uh, but man, fucking Rob Manifred, really, you know, he's botched this one because I would say he's, he was obviously the part of the uh, Astros investigation. And he's like, yeah, we figured it out. They cheated. Cool. Let's move on. Oh, fuck that shit. That still pisses me off because they cheated out the damn Yankees, man. That could have been the 28th ring. You know, Aaron Judge should have won an MVP that year. Instead, he gets rookie of the year, which is all cool. But, I mean, yeah, fucking baseball, man. I still love it. Jim, I see you're slowly starting to get on board. <clears throat> I would say, yeah, Manfred, baseball, major league. You know, and I, if we're really talking about force of rules, let the players have some fucking fun. They're also in the code of conduct for, uh, for cleats and stuff like that. How many times have they sent out letters to players that their cleats didn't match uniforms? They're fucking cleats. Who cares? They're cleats. They're not, it's not like you've got a pitcher wearing a white glove pitching that's distracting from the, uh, the batter or, you know, You've got a shortstop or a second baseman, you know, wearing white undershirts or something like that and being on the fly with uh, distracting a uh, 
batter from short or second base. It's not something like that. It's it's fucking cleats. You know, you got guys running around with gold chains popping everywhere, which I love, by the way. Let them have fun. You know, the there are unwritten rules in baseball that everybody's talked about, everybody's heard about, which some are pretty decent rules, you know. Don't fucking bot for a hit when there's a no-hitter or a perfect game. That's just being a little bitch. Uh, but but pipping a home run, whew, it's exciting. That's what gets the fans entertainment. Oh, well, it's classless. You hit it. You should just run. But then if a guy strikes a batter out and he lets out a big scream, it's, it's awesome. It's cool because he's fired up. He's pumped up. But if a guy hits a 450-foot fucking home run – in the upper deck, he can't look at it for two seconds? Bullshit. All right. I'm getting off my soapbox. I gave you a good, long GD rant. And baseball, man, it it needs to turn that corner. Uh, I just hope to see it sometime in the near future. Hope you guys have a, had a wonderful Father's Day. Uh, appreciate all you fathers out there. Uh, special shout out to... Jimmy Douglas, uh, he's a, a great dad. You know, we don't talk about a bunch on the podcast, but his little girls are uh, very uh, lucky to have him. Jim, you make a good dad, and uh, I see you from afar, you know, and I appreciate you. Uh, now that I'm back and Muffnack the Magnificent is tucked away in the corner, um, he gets put in his own little box with the crystal ball after recordings. Um Kind of like LeBron should be after the season's over, tucked away in a corner, never to come back until the season starts again. Um, thanks to everybody for your support throughout the week. Uh, keep making the things happen on social media. Keep engaging with us. Send us any guests that you think we can tap into. Because let's be honest, folks, we're in the dog days of summer. We're pretty much baseball we characters. We figure things out. We make it work. Uh, so we need some interviews, but get ready because here in about a month, we start our preparation for football season, football, football, football. And as we approach the beginning of our breakdown of the NFL and college football, keep doing what you got to do to tell a friend, make a friend, be a friend.